back to the Marvel Movie Minute, everybody. A daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. And I'm Pete Wright, also from The Next Reel. We're at the beginning of the MCU franchise, looking at Jon Favreau's 2008 film Iron Man. And closing out the week with us, Kathy Campbell is back, everybody, from Friends in Your Ears. Kathy, hey! We are looking at Iron Man Minute 85. The minute starts with Tony saving the plummeting pilot and ends with an angry Obadiah watching Rhodey's press conference. Ooh. Mmm. Obadiah mad. Good alliteration. (laughs) (laughs) So... We start off with that, what we talked about yesterday, with that great shot over Tony's shoulder, uh, looking down on the limp pilot. And then it immediately goes into the hero shot of Tony flying straight down, like full thrusters, uh, flying straight toward the Earth. And uh, and he survives. Yay! Spoiler, he survives. The he pilot survives, it. yes. Pilot survives. And Iron he punches Man's a hole in the thing. Survive. I'm glad that he knew that that's what it would take to yeah. fix the ejection seat. If I just punch it here, punch this one thing. And as we know from yesterday, there are a number of different models of uh, uh, ejection seats. As you might uh, discover if you search eBay, you can find all kinds of great ejection seats. Some of them have the handles over their heads, some of them between their legs. You were saying yesterday that this one is actually uh, 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 not quite right. correct, that the, right. the handle should be between the legs. Uh, how does Iron Man, how does Tony know, I'm going to punch this gizmo and that should fix everything? Well, it's labeled, it says emergency manual shoot, so he knows that that's where you punch. <laughs> oh, you're right. I mean, obviously. And because his HUD has PDF in it. Like he, he yes. actually probably, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Well, it's that. It's that I whole thing. By. Superheroes, you know, they they punch things to fix them. He knows if I just punch it. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to help like pull the handle out. Just punching it will do. Right. That's true. Well, and he has a ton's worth of weight behind it, and yet somehow <laughs> he, I, I am just so shocked at. So he's shooting down vertically and his other arm is behind him but he's got you know the super superman pose of the one hand in front and he grabs something uh on the ejection seat and then manages to against the force of gravity like or the not the gravity but like the the force pushing against the him his body is able to bring the other arm around with enough force to punch that piece of metal. Yeah. yeah. It's not like he's got a, like a rocket in the back of his back of his elbow that propels his hand into it. <laughs> exactly. Although that, that'd be you nice know, to and, see. and it's an interesting thing too, Andy, because you walked through yesterday in horrifying detail. If you missed it, go back to yesterday and listen to that horrifying detail about what happens when the ejection seat actually ejects and all of the things that happen in two, in two seconds. And that gave me no end of anxiety. But this sequence, we actually see a couple of things happen that it feels like wouldn't happen in just from him pushing that thing. I don't know, maybe I'm reading it wrong because he actually, he pushes the thing the the parachute deploys, but it doesn't look like the parachute from his back. It looks like the parachute from the seat, but then it is the parachute attached to him because he separates from the seat all right. in one yeah. motion. And that that feels like it's a um, continuity issue. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know. It happens so quickly I mean, that I, I don't yeah. think anyone could argue that the continuity's off because it's just, it's so fast. It's like if it's you're watching so it frame by frame, yeah. Yeah. And as we've argued, that's a mistake. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do don't watch it frame by frame. Yeah. Although I think the visual of having a parachute with a body dangling from it is way more uh, visually stunning than the chair dangling yeah. from <laughs> limp chair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that just feels like you're taking a break. Yeah. Like that just yeah, feels right. lazy. That's <laughs> the lazy boy lander. You're not parachuting. You're riding. Yeah. Yeah. It's a ride. I, I feel like these shots where we're up close with our our pilot as he's falling in his chair, I feel like these are the reasons that Tim Rigby uh, ended up getting cast as the stunts, uh, the aerial stunt coordinator yep. and uh, likely is doing all of this stuff because of these shots where I and obviously they're not actually. Uh, dropping him from a plane, but uh, they're probably they probably just have that seat on a rocker and they're just under it, kind of looking up at the sky to just kind of get the motions and everything. Or it could just be under a green screen. Who knows? But it still it still ends up working. And I feel like all of that, you know, even just the way that the that Iron Man keeps falling while the the pilot and the shoot just kind of pop way up above us. It's just it's still is just super cool to watch. Absolutely. And I, yeah, I, very cool. I like, I like that they used Tim Rigby as, because he probably knows what it's like to fall, like yeah. so he can act that believability of the rocking, and so who knows if the the chair was attached to something or if it was just him sitting in the chair on the ground while they're filming and he's throwing it back and forth or or who who knows what they chose to do but either way he i'm sure has fallen a variety of times yeah in a in a bunch of different ways and so would know how best to have that work right right the one thing that I do, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I should question it or not, but everybody back at the uh, the the ops center is thrilled to see Iron Man save the pilot. But the last time we had heard from Major Allen in the last minute, he had told his pilot, if you get the chance, take him down. And even though Iron Man saves the day, in the script, they still attack and uh, he he the actually they shoot at him again and uh, he gets um, uh, he gets hit by the by or it's a kind of a close call missile explosion again uh, with the the uh, flares and he disappears from the screen and that's kind of the last we see of Iron Man in the script until we get to our deleted scene that we'll talk about here in a little bit. Does that make more sense or does it make sense that he saves the day? Everybody at the op center is thrilled. They all cheer. And um, then the pilot just doesn't go after him. That's really interesting because, it, you know, he does. I, I think you, from the, the story point, Andy, I, I think that we need the hero shot at the end where the plane peels off and Iron Man gets to do his flippy dippy loop de loops as he flies across the Afghan desert. And th that gives us a nice tight five on this 
sequence. And it does not make any sense at all why they're not still trying to shoot him down. Because from the pilot's perspective and from everybody else in radar control, uh, all that, except for Rhodey, all they know is that he's still a bogey. He's still a bogey that they don't know that he yeah. actually, he's the one who actually fixed the, the parachute, right? They, all they know is that a parachute deployed. Uh, and Rhodey still hasn't come clean. Well, I'm assuming that Whiplash 2, if he was actually engaging, because we hear Jarvis say he's re-engaged, um, you know, get yeah. out of here. But but Iron Man's like, no, I'm going to do this. I, I feel like Whiplash 2, if he's actually, you know, targeting him and trying to do him, I'm, I'm sure like he's seeing this this flying man come down and and deploy the chute. So I feel like he probably witnessed it. But. I have a hard time believing that he can see with enough detail and clarity what is going on between these two man-sized things falling through yeah, the air. Is, that's true. Uh, to be able to to discern what to do next. I just don't, I don't believe well, that. Well, especially because we, he has probably no way of knowing that the parachute wasn't deploying Purpose like that the deployment of the uh, um, of the parachute wasn't a hundred hundred percent planned. Like yeah. he has no way of knowing if that shoot was because Iron Man came in and punched it. This is one of those uh, one of those things because we we see Iron Man save the day. We see the pilot uh, fly up into the air and Iron Man kind of fly off. We cut to the operating center and everybody looks like they're watching this on big screen TV, right? It looks like it looks like they're watching what we're watching because they're staring so intently yes. at these screens and they all cheer and they, they uh, you know, lift their hands up in the air like their team scored a goal. But really, they're looking at those those really crappy satellite UFO pictures. And uh, yeah, it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense that that all of a sudden yeah. he's he's, uh, you know, off out of the woods because, yeah, nobody probably saw saw uh, what Iron Man did here, but but he's off and away and uh, and weirdly, the other pilot veers off and flies off. It's it's an odd choice. But I think this is one of those. uh, It's kind of a movie trope. The audience, it becomes these guys and we're now cheering with them. And in our heads, it doesn't matter that it doesn't make any sense because we're just excited that they're all on the same team now. And Iron Man proved it. Yes. Yeah, um, right, right. And yeah, because to them, he still looks like the Windows 95 mouse cursor <laughs> on that right. screen. Like, it's just, there's nothing has changed about that. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the double fisting hand pump dude at uh, second 10 on the far left side of the screen. He's got this, like, boxer <laughs> cheering thing going on. And he, he just, he chose that that was going to be his excited, like, thing. And he, he went, he just went for it i love that he's all in (laughs) when you're working at central command you are all in (laughs) it's interesting we we talk about the the hud quite a bit when roadie gets back on the phone with tony we see the uh the heads up display and i like that it shows an image of the airplane that he damaged and it like even goes so far (laughs) as to show the wing that got injured it kind of like turns it red (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> Jarvis has all the information. Uh, it, it does, it really does. Yeah, it's all the information. And then you notice the the picture just right before that, the picture of Rhodes that Tony has in his address mm-hmm. book is Rhodes in a right. suit. 
And I just want to call back to the picture that Rhodes has of Tony in his <laughs> LG phone, <laughs> which is like party Tony. I don't know what yeah. that says. Well, because I, I don't a, think... There's a hidden message in there. Yeah, I don't think uh, serious Tony in front of a white, like, photo backdrop lighting yeah. thing is something that happens very often. Probably not Whereas, true. <laughs> you know that Rhodey has all sorts of publicity and press headshots. Yeah, yeah. right. His official mil- military photo. Yep. But at least, you know, put the Tony picture of the, the one on Wired magazine. <laughs> right. <laughs> no way, because it, it's it's the, the Starkster. That's right. He's... <laughs> Yeah. He doesn't need his it LinkedIn lot, photo. True. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, do you guys have anything else with this, or should we jump uh, jump into the next uh, scene? We got the press conference. Yeah. Let's... Oh, press conference. So, Boom. so uh, this is a it's a transition that happened. Actually, we should we should do the deleted scene as as part of this transition. We, during uh the, during the shooting of this Robert Downey Jr improved this whole thing about this press conference and John Favreau thought it was uh, such a great idea or just a line that he's like oh we have to pay that off and so he so that spurred the story on to become you know cut from from him flying away to a press conference the whole thing of uh you know just just do that and and uh Favreau thought it would work much better than apparently what they had and I don't know if it's the only reason, but it is the reason that we don't end up having this this final deleted scene here, which is the closing of the Dubai scene. Uh, at the end of we we had the Dubai scene, I don't know, probably ten minutes ago before before Iron Man right. goes into Golmira. Here we have kind of the end of that as Pepper wakes up and she she hears some sort of sound and she walks through rooms full of sleeping guests and ends up coming into a rather fancy kind of dining room with Tony in his suit, uh, legs kicked up, having a drink. And he's just like, get me out of here. Um, and it's really kind of a, uh, he's bloody, he's injured, he's tired. He's just sweaty and gross looking and exhausted. And weirdly, it just seems like there's nothing fun about it. It just he seems really kind of, uh, kind of, uh, I don't want to say dark, but it just seems really heavy. And uh, it's it's an interesting close. It's an interesting reveal, I guess, for Pepper to, to find him this way. I don't know what you guys think of this whole thing. It really, like, has, I mean, we had a conversation about this a couple days ago or yesterday. I don't even know. What's today? What's going on? Um <laughs> About like the humanity of it um, and how, you know, why doesn't he have a concussion? Why doesn't he have, you know, all of these G forces that are pushing as well as like ab strength and core and all of that. And I, all, I, I can see why they chose to do the press conference instead, but the humanity and the human superhero that is witnessed by having tony bloody beat up exhausted um it you lose a little of the humanity for not having 
this scene in the movie. I'm really torn about this scene for that very reason, because I'm, you, you know, speaking of the call for humanity, like I really like that that question of, you know, how what does it look like when inside the suit when Tony gets beaten up? And I think that that this scene gives value to that. The problem is that this scene is payoff to a joke that started and was so bad, like the opening yeah. scene in, in Dubai was so bad that, you know, you can't have this scene. So we're missing something of the heart that I think would be is a powerful addition to the movie having this cut um but you know in this case the simplest joke won out and that was the the you know training accident which is um which is a simple joke it's an easy chuckle and it gets us back to brooding brooding obadiah's face see i almost wish that they had done um so obviously i'm not i wasn't a part of the dubai the first part of the Dubai part, but I did watch right. that deleted scene. I think they easily could have just had um, the scene of, you know, open up my house in Dubai, we're going to throw a party, and then maybe like entering in or like some sort of visual shot of this is what the house in Dubai looks like, and then have just the this last bit about Pepper sleeping, you know, everyone's exhausted, like passed out. You could tell that there's a party. Like yeah. you don't have to yeah. see the party to know that there was a party here. And then having that humanity foundational scene of Tony exhausted in the chair. Um right. Feel free to hire me, Marvel. I am available. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, I can totally see that. I get that point. And I, 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 I to, to maintain some of the continuity of the heart and the specialness that is this Iron Man character, like, I, I think it's value to have that there. But um, yeah, the, the simple joke one. And that's, that's some of the bittersweet kind of nature of this, this movie where the simple joke wins out at the expense of something that that is of greater and more interesting value. And even when we come back to the scene uh, next week in, in in one of our minutes when Pepper does discover him in the Iron Man suit, it's played much more for laughs than it is here. Yeah. I wonder if this had been not the first Marvel movie, um, if it had been like something else that has come and like built this foundational snowball effect of these um, incredible movies. Um, if they would have chosen the humanity side as opposed to more serious and then the joke as well bit, because they're still playing with the yeah. format. They're still trying to figure out what this Marvel cinematic universe is really going to be. Yeah. But I will say they really do like the humor. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, I, I think that's something they really have gravitated to and it's proven successful. So I feel like if there's an opportunity to do something that's probably the funnier version rather than something that has a little more uh, seriousness to it, I feel like more often than not, they're probably going to go with the funny bit. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. This deleted scene does get replaced by... Uh, this press conference, as we've said. Uh, I couldn't figure out where they filmed this, but my hunch is, based on the wall behind Rhodey, is that we're back at the Massimo building, which is uh, the location that is doubling as Stark Industries. The, uh, it, it, I mean, it is funny, and this is something, as we've said many times, Favreau has these great transitions. That whole idea of the press conference, uh, that's, you know, that whole thing, and then we cut to him doing this press conference. It works really nicely to get the joke, and it's pretty funny. It, it is funny, and it's a great transition. Like, we've talked about 
some of the time and space transitions that that Favreau uses with the Star Wars wipes, you know, the the radial wipe and the the uh, uh, you know that that sort of the wipes that we are familiar with in this sort of fantasy storytelling. This one uh, gives us a perfect just straight cut, like hard cut to black for less than a second. But that that black is part of the joke. Like it's part of the gag uh, that we have that line from Tony and then we have a second and j- jump into the press conference in motion is great visual storytelling for the for the humi- humor. Yeah. Um, and uh, the time it just adds to the timing and it's just it's just perfect. Finger kiss. Perfect. Yeah, it's pretty funny. The microphones in front of Rody, the station identifications, actually uh, are John Favreau's birthday, ten nineteen sixty six, and oh, no uh, it's kind of a little little nod that he did there, just to uh, kind of throw that in there. The sixty six is kind of tricky because it's actually uh, channel six, but you can see on the cube, you can see two sides in that first yeah. shot. You can see the six six. So nice. I was trying to figure out. I. I figured that none of these stations were real and they aren't although there is a real kf kpfw it's uh except it's a, it, it's in dallas and it's affiliated with the american auction network <laughs> there is a real kpgb but it is a religious radio station up in montana there is no real station khej but weirdly there is a town in afghanistan named Kedge, I guess is how you'd say it. Although, sadly, it's not in the Kunar province. How perfect would that have that been? That would have been so totally. perfect. Yes. And then the last one, uh, the Channel 3 that we're watching, KNKV, it is not a real station, but weirdly, there is a KNKV. And uh, this is just so funny. It took me down a strange rabbit hole. It is the Royal Dutch Korfball Association in the <laughs> Netherlands. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Have you guys ever heard of korfball? <laughs> this is a sport I knew nothing about. <laughs> is it a, is it a relative of Quidditch? <laughs> I mean, I went to the Olympics for korfball. <laughs> <laughs> Korfball is a ball sport with similarities to netball and basketball. It is played by two teams of eight players with four females and four males in each team with or with eight players on each team. The objective is to throw a ball into a bottomless basket that is mounted on a a three and a half meter or 11 and a half foot high uh, pole. It's been around since 1902 and there are like national world championships and all this sort of stuff for the sport I've never heard of before. Korfball. Wow. The more wow. you know. I will say, I love that it is a sport that actually is gender equal. It's men and women playing on the same team. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Balance so. it out. Andy, how much did you say the Raptor cost in your research a couple of days ago? Ah, uh, yes. I'm glad you asked. The <laughs> Raptor, the F-22, cost uh, $412 million to make. So this one was only eighty-four million. So this was the cheaper yeah. version. This is why the ejection seat didn't work. Well, was your research like <laughs> like the creation of the first F twenty-two versus like this is a couple years down the line? No, because they <laughs> this they, is the one made by Tesla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were robots. very expensive. That's why they stopped uh, because the F thirty five was cheaper and better, and these were just so stinking expensive that they couldn't keep up the cost. They ended up spending billions on these. The as of twenty eleven, they had spent sixty six point seven billion on the F twenty two program. Wow. 
Well, that shows the level of journalistic rigor going on at KNKV News <laughs> uh, that they had. There was such a gap in their lower th- lower third crawl. But also, this is the thing that uh, you know you took us down the road of Corfball, but I, I still I, I got to go back to the lower third or to the bug in the lower right corner, the three KNKV. That just looks so much like kinky to me that it <laughs> makes you think that that Obi is watching the news on like a uh, this is like a porn book. Right. or something like it's, <laughs> it's not there's something else wrong with what he's getting where he's getting his well. news watching his news on kinky three <laughs> <laughs> oh that's uh i don't know what i don't know i don't know if i want to be thinking about that with obadiah yeah let's not well, all i can say is you're welcome uh, yeah thank you mm-hmm. happy monday Boo. friday Happy uh, Friday. <laughs> yeah, we, we do cut to Obadiah, who is watching this press conference, uh, as we said. We get some, uh, I think this may be the only time we really see his his pad, but it's uh, it looks like a, it's a pretty fancy, uh, fancy place he's got here. Uh, also, he's watching in his pajamas. Can we just like going, taking a step back to the channel that he's choosing to watch uh, this on? <laughs> he's in his PJs with a robe. You know, look at the look at the detail of the pad. And and I'm going to come back to the PJs because there's there are some important things going on <laughs> with those PJs that we're not going to lose. The first is, I think on the table behind him. Is that a picture of Howard Stark and him? I'm assuming it is. Arm around him. I think it is. And he has hair. And we have a lot of the uh, like tribal uh, fetish objects around him. We have some horses. Looks like maybe some Trojan horse. I don't know. Is that another? What? What did I do there? Uh, he's got the chess uh, on his uh, table with booze. That's an important part. The chess set because in yeah. the comics he uh, he is the leader of the chessmen. That is his team that he assembles oh. that fights Tony for quite a while. So it's kind of a nice little nod. Oh, I love that. That he's got the chess set here and that his robe kind of has a checkerboard pattern on it. Okay. And in the close-up, mm. just appreciate that Obadiah Stane is a guy who puts on his PJs and pops the collar. Well, of course. What? When you're watching what? your daily porn news, you <laughs> you have to pop the collar. You always pop always the collar. Always pop the collar. <laughs> Only Obadiah can get away with that. Yeah. This is my favorite Obadiah bit, and he doesn't even open his mouth. <laughs> Boy, does he look cranky here. He is not oh, he's happy. mad. So mad. Yeah. Do we, are, do, are, this look, does this tell us he's a full-on bad guy now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just the fact that he has a zebra rug... I mean, that right there gave it away. <laughs> this is, that's a really good point. Like the the production design of his, you know, Sanctum Sanctorum here, you know, that changes the tone of Obadiah Stane yeah. for us, of the character. And it really does. You wonder if they're like, okay, we think we have an ending for this movie now. So let's go back to Obadiah's place and we're going to really gin it up with some tribal stuff and the, the zebra thing. And we're going all in yeah. on on him being the bad Major guy. Major bachelor pad that's also very dark, very ominous, yeah. very, I mean, he's got his his drink tray on the coffee table, which says a lot about, like, access to the alcohol that's been decanted into the pretty glass jars. Like, he doesn't want to have to stand right. up to go get it. Uh, he's got the right. fireplace. He's got these statues, the black leather and the brown wood and just like very, very deep and dark. And uh. 
And he's totally a guy who mounts his giant uh, flat panel TV in a wooden picture frame. <laughs> right? With a Evil model. Evil totally like a, do that. A mantelpiece with fancy little tchotchke things underneath it. Yeah. All right. I want to mount uh. my TV in a picture frame and put it in like panel <laughs> wood walls. And yeah. Nothing says bougie. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> what I love is that right in front of the TV, it looks like he's got his own little action figure collection. Yes, on <laughs> like, the right side. Next, right on the right side there. Uh, prepping for Black Panther. <laughs> yes. Who's in that picture? That little, that old picture. It looks like. Is it his mom? It must be like a grandmother or something. That's like a really old picture. That's like yeah. 1900s or 1890s sort of photo. Yeah, right? I mean, it's it it definitely is an it's an antique. It's like something from, you know, women in science in this in 1850. Uh, <laughs> I try it's there's like a is it who is it like Nellie Borden or there's somebody. I swear that picture is something. Oh, that would uh, be interesting if it is. Or Lizzie, Lizzie Borden. Uh, it was she, the axe murderer, <laughs> Lizzie Borden. Maybe it was Lizzie Borden. Yeah, it just definitely feels like an 1892 axe yeah. murderer. That's what yep, I was thinking yep. of. Uh, <laughs> so that was that was that was an Easter egg nod for those who would recognize the photo to say, "Oh, he's the bad guy because he's related to Lizzie Borden. She was his great grandmother." <laughs> He's got some fan Lizzie Borden fan fiction, and yeah, he's all in Lizzie Borden. I don't think I have anything else specifically for this. Do you guys have any other notes? I don't. No. So, Kathy. Yes. Were you... Let's get, um, let's get serious. Yes. Yeah, it's time to get serious. Were you a, a Marvel follower before all of this? Uh, did you ever read comic books? Were you into the previous Marvel films? How did you end up coming to Iron Man? What was your experience? I... Have never really been able to get into comics. Um, I read too fast, so it always felt very disappointing to me. To I, I always felt like all I was doing was turning pages when I whenever yeah. I would attempt to read comics. Additionally, all of the decades and decades of backstory and having just like it, it's always felt kind of ominous. Like oh, I I just can't put that effort into it um however i greatly enjoy <laughs> movies um i enjoy them as a separation from whatever uh media they may come from so i can usually enjoy both like a book and the movie that's made from it like i can enjoy like harry potter for example i can enjoy the books as a separate creation outside of the movies um and I am very glad that these movies are around so that I can learn a little bit more about the the, the backstory of Marvel and the comic book characters and stuff. And so learning things like the chess pieces for Obadiah, um, it's really interesting to me because I love the stories of comic strips. I love how intricate the plot the plot lines are, how connected everything is. You know, you may have a character that four or five books down the line, you learn that they're related to this other character because of whatever. Um, it's it, it can be very convoluted and overwhelming, I'm sure. But I really I like the 
some of the culture behind comic books and the fans of them and the people that can rattle off all of this information. Uh, but the these Marvel movies and Iron Man in particular really help welcome a new generation or world, maybe somebody that doesn't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to spend to buy comics and really enjoy the <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> that is an extraordinary collection. You, about every comic book that made. and an, and an ejection know, seat. Right, to read them in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. However much. See, I don't even know how much people spend to purchase comics. I don't know how much they cost. <laughs> oh, well, I, I I think that's right, and I think it's it's uh, it's great to hear because I mean, obviously, people are coming to it with different experiences, but they're creating a a cinematic world here that I think anyone can enjoy. Yeah. You don't have to be a hardcore reader to actually, you know, get everything that's happening. Yeah, here. and there's and there's the added things for the quote unquote real fans or whatever you want to call it, but like. If you are a fan, you'll see those things that have been added um, because the people that are making these movies know why they're making them. And they know like, oh, the hardcore fanboys will want to see chess pieces around Obadiah. Right, right. But it's not placed in a way that somebody coming in that has never even heard of what Iron, who Iron Man is, they don't feel left behind. They don't you don't come into it and get overwhelmed and you're just like, no, I'm not going to see this anymore because they're judging me or any of that. Yeah. yeah. I think that's smart. And I, I think it does help uh, as people kind of work their way through the universe and they don't have to feel uh, like they're, you know, left behind. So, yeah. Well, yeah, it's so much of the gift of what the MCU has done is it's, it has made these things so accessible, right, to, a, to the entire new audience. And that's, that is, I think, what gives the MCU longevity is that even when it does, like we've, we've talked about, it goes for the simple jokes, um, it, it does so in service of bringing new people into the fold yeah. um, who, yeah. who otherwise love and appreciate these characters. Yeah. Right. Have you been watching all of the films, Kathy? Yeah, there's I have not seen Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, I'd have to pull up a list of Marvel movies of the of of the 20. Yeah. Um just a few. Yeah, just a handful, but yeah. I've seen I've seen most of them. Um I've seen a lot of them in the theater. Um, I've seen a lot of them as well. Like when they come up on streaming, I'll usually watch them too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What, uh, do you have favorites? I really, so I have, there, wow, words. Um, <laughs> I really. As, as we fully acknowledge, favorites can change at any moment. Yeah. And, well, and when it comes down to like, I love Thor as his Avenger, like, I, I love what they've done with him. I don't love his movies as much. Like, I like when they have Thor in other parts. Um, okay. I, I love Captain America and I love his movies, uh, especially when you have Captain America Civil War that comes around and is basically Avengers 
2.5 or whatever. Um, I love Benedict Cumberbatch and I love his Doctor Strange. Like that's been really great to have him. Uh, and so I, I can go into these movies not really remembering anything that I've seen before and really just enjoy them uh-huh. for the happy end of world jaunt that they are. Uh, and it's it's been fun to have my daughter enjoy them, too. She's 10 and she likes superheroes. And I love that it's OK for her to like superheroes. Like society is kind of adjusting to where she's not being stigmatized for being a nerd or whatever. Right. You know? And she can like Black Panther and she can like, you know, uh, Ant-Man. I don't know why, but. Yeah, she enjoys that. It's fun. <laughs> I don't know why she like that one. <laughs> <laughs> but like the, the campiness of it means that they're all yeah. enjoyable. Sure. By uh, however you come into it, uh, however far you're embroiled in the stigma and the story and the plots and all of that, and it's it's just fun, and that's okay to have really fun movies that also talk about other things. I, I love them. They're fun movies to watch. I agree. That's why you're going to watch them minute by minute. <laughs> so <we're> gonna, <laughs> peas, yes, yes. Tiny bite by tiny bite for a very long, for the rest of my life, yep. basically. We'll, yep. be, we'll be doing this. Uh, well, Kathy, it has been uh, so much fun having you all week on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited that I have been here for you, with you this week and um, excited to continue listening. Well, and hopefully you'll come back uh, next time when we're talking about The Incredible Hulk. Yes, please. Wait, does that mean that? Okay, I might be able to do The Incredible (laughs) Hulk in just five minute spans of time. I don't know if I can watch the whole thing again. (laughs) You only have to watch five minutes if that's all you want to talk about. Let's let's just say you're not the first person to have that response. Yeah, that's right. Oh, well, do you want to remind everybody where they can find you one last time? Absolutely. My username pretty much everywhere is Mrs. Soup. And you can find links out to everything that I do, including a variety of podcasts uh, at KathyCampbell.com. Wonderful. Well, everybody, that is it for today's show. Thanks again so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at MarvelMovieMinute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at thenextreel.com slash Patreon. Until next time, true believers. Mm-hmm.